So, we are working on Psalm 23. Okay, so I need you to turn to Psalm 23, unless you have it totally memorized, which no, you might. Yeah. Sure, they could. Yeah, sure, they could. No, this no. is a very short Psalm. Psalm 23. And we're all going to read along because, oh man, all together. And if I don't see everybody's lips moving, and I will have to you stop it. I'm going to have to stop it and go back. And we'll do it again. Sir, you should make sure that the uvula inside the mouth is moving. This isn't moving in the back. It could be. But I want to hear sound also coming out. Oh, so Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Wow. In nice cadence, like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> All right, so let's begin. Psalm 23, everybody there? Verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, definitely not the different version that you guys. That's okay. That's all right. Oh, it says New Living Translation. Yep, and that's okay. That's actually a good translation to read and understand easily because sometimes that's other translations are harder. And it's okay. All right, so here's the thing. We have gone over three little parts. The Lord is my shepherd. We talked about belonging to God, right? Belonging to the shepherd. I shall not want. And last week, Jacob talked about God's provision, all right? And the sheep. And the sheep, okay. And this week we are doing, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now, with sheep, they need four things. Food, water, shelter, comfort. To lay down. What? Four things to lay down, because what happens to a sheep if they're agitated? I honestly have They will headbutt you. They will headbutt. Okay, we'll get into headbutting in a little bit, though. But... If they are, if they think something is scary, what do they do? Run. They run. Oh. They move. They run. Right? So one thing that they need, they need, first of all, to feel that there is nothing, there's no danger. Okay? So number one thing sheep need, need to lay down. They need to be free from fear. Okay? 
Agreed, right? Because they, they run, right? They will never lay down. And if your sheep only get up and run all the time, what happens to them? They're going to die. Eventually, they are not healthy sheep if they never rest, right? How many of you have gone through and not slept one night? I've gone through <laughs> I've gone actually like about know? a week without sleeping before. And how do you feel after you miss a night of sleep or a couple nights of sleep? Horrible. I still feel weary and energetic because of my ADHD. <laughs> so, but you don't feel right after a while. Nope. Somewhere along the line, it hits you, right? If you nope. keep getting exhausted. And if you keep doing that pattern, like any animal, we need rest, right? Sheep need to rest. That is how they become healthy. If they get up and move around, they do not become healthy. Their body puts all their energy into constantly moving, 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 moving. Okay? Moving increases heat and kinetic energy. It does. Alright? So that's number one. They need to be free from fear. So technically a sheep. Number two. Number two. They need to be free from friction. Brushing up against surfaces. Friction amongst other sheep. They need a wide Because what happens when you get a group of sheep? <laughs> Somebody's in charge, right? Some big old you or ram, whatever's in the in the flock is going to dominate and going to do something and make all of those not dominant sheep not rest. Like we'll the get sheep to that in a minute. Slipping out of every single fence it found. Mm -hmm. All right. Number 3. They need to be free from flies and parasites. What's a fly going to do to a sheep? Oh, well, we will get into that as time goes on. They do some nasty things. To, to certain kinds of flies can really do nasty things to sheep. Flies lands on the sheep and then dies immediately. Much more invasive than fruit flies, okay? Nasty. I mean, there are... <laughs> and we will have a, a lesson coming up where we're going to talk about the flies and the nasty yeah. things they do to the sheep. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> but the idea is not just to gross you out. The idea is to learn something. Right. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. But they need to be free from flies and parasites. And then the last thing, which was already mentioned, because if they are not this, they will always wander. They need to be free from hunger. If they are not satisfied to some level, they will not lay down. But if, if they are, eat a Bible. Eat, if they are, no. They want food. Okay, they want pasture or grain of some sort. Right? That's what they really want. That's what they're meant to do. And so if they feel satisfied, they will lay right down and they will eat. Just right around them. Right? Your dad told me he's seen your sheep just lay there and go, well, 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 kind of roll around and eat from where they can lay. Eating the chicken food off of the other sheep. <laughs> 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 and he landed on it and she was mad because we can't have a hard time eating the chicken food off the ground because we don't put it in a pile. Ah. And so she's eating it off of the other sheep. Yeah, she, 
<laughs> so, these are the four things you need to lie down. And so the verse, the part of the verse is, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Okay. So you need something. These four things, and according to Philip Keller, who wrote the book, Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, he talks about these four things. Now, first one is fear. He one time, Philip is a shepherd, and he has lived in the Middle East at times of his life, and he's lived in other parts of the world and had uh, flocks of sheep up in the hundreds, oftentimes. And he has had some pretty good experience with sheep, and I think for around 20 years of his life, he was a shepherd, okay? That was one of his main things he did in life. So from these experiences, he has he learned to spend a lot of time with his sheep. And he spent time out in the field with his sheep. And one time, there was an aunt or something that was visiting, and she pulled the car up to the house, and the sheep were all in the pasture, two or three hundred sheep. And the dog, and and the ant got out with a dog. Oh dear Lord! The dog was a terrible, frightful dog. It was Pekingese? <laughs> How big is Pekingese? Little, it's like it's like a little sheep. tiny thing. The dog hopped out, and it was a puppy. The dog hopped out on the ground out of the car. And 200 sheep bolted away from it, frightened to death. <laughs> because, and that dog couldn't have done a thing. One of those sheep could have gone and probably squashed it and killed it, right? That dog. But there was no, there was nothing but fear. And once one was afraid, they all ran, stampeding. <laughs> <laughs> Little tiny things. He talks about every once in a while he'd watch and he'd be walking or he'd he'd be watching out there and there'd be a rabbit or something that would run through the, the meadow and they'd all run over to the other side, like away from this rabbit. <laughs> the big scary rabbit. Because sheep have fear. And is that fear rational? Fear can be rational if it's a snake. It could be, but that's not even what they're afraid of. They're afraid of a Pekingese dog, okay, <laughs> or a rabbit. They're afraid of those things, and they could, certainly a full-grown sheep could stomp one of those to death, right? No problem. Why didn't they? Because their fear was not rational. And rational, what does rational mean? All right, so what is rational? Somebody who does know. Hmm? What? <laughs> mm -hmm. If you have rational thought, like, it's like reasoned, reasoned, okay? There's, there is reason behind it. So if the sheep ran away from a rattlesnake, there might be reason, okay? But the sheep are running away from something that really can't hurt them. And so that is so much like humans. Here is, and we're not necessarily running away from rabbits, but what I'm telling you is this. 
Okay, what I'm telling you is this. In America. Have you ever heard of anxiety? Yeah. Yep. What is anxiety? It's like fear. Fear. Jitters. But more than just fear. It is for it is irrational fear. Jitters. Irrational fear. You get anxious about things when you're worked up. You can't function. All right. I have known people who literally shut themselves up in their house for days, weeks, months, even mm -hmm. years. I have known one or two people because they are afraid of going out into public. Now, what what could happen? They go out in the public. Run out of food. Someone could see him. Oh, you know. I mean, the fear is irrational when people have anxiety. Now, some people have anxiety and they're out working in the world. So their anxiety is not about being amongst people. Some people are. Some people are anxious about... Being alone. Being alone. Some people are anxious about what they're going to eat, where their next paycheck is going to come from. Some people are anxious about losing everything in their house. Or losing everything in their fire. And that, so they live in fear of everything all the time. And they allow it to grip them. So how many people do you think in America? Almost every single person has their own type of anxiety and fear. Mm, well, person. okay, but what are... Some people... Everybody has some sort of fear about something. Okay. Not everything is irrational, but how many people actually deal with clinical, like, anxiety? Quite a few. A lot. Very, very many over the couple. You got it. One in five people. One in five people. One, have, two, three, four, five, six people. Who has have some sort of clinical anxiety at some level, okay? And it... They can be crippling. It can be crippling to people. They are worried about what might happen or what might not happen. Oh, All right? So, well, it could be that. They could be worried about being sick. And some of the people showed up during COVID, right? That their world just shut down because they, the fear overcame them and said, I won't go out because something could happen. Even though there has been just as much chance of things happening all along in their whole rest of their life. But something is brought out and a fear is played upon sometimes. Okay, And once it's played upon, sometimes that really brings it out of people. Okay? There is anxiousness and fear. So, let's turn to... Matthew, because we're going to see what Jesus has to say about anxiety. Matthew chapter number 6. Verse number 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And we're going to keep reading till the end of the chapter. shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. 
Is not the life more than meat, and the body than the raiment? Okay, they're clothes, right? Okay. Verse 26. Chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 26. Verse 29. Okay. You can keep going. We'll just keep going. You can find it. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast unto the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So Jesus says, if you're worried about what you're going to wear, <coughs> what are you going to wear? He says, don't worry. Or what are you going to eat? Where are you going to live? He says, the birds in the air, they don't have to plant gardens, right? If a bird had to plant a garden and protect it to be able to eat, it would be a strange world, right? It would be a strange world. If all the animals had to plant things, but they don't have to. God takes care of them without that. And he said, so don't worry about that. And don't worry about what you're going to wear, he says, because the lilies in the field, the flowers, God dresses them up just for beauty's sake. He says, God does that. He takes care of every one of them. He watches them. He knows, so if you don't, don't worry about it. He said, worry does nothing. Verse number 27 is a great verse to know. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? All right? What's your stature? How tall you are, right? So, <laughs> so you can't worry an inch higher. You can't say, 
Oh, it's so terrible. I wish I could be higher. You can't, can't say it. You can't do it. It doesn't make you higher by worrying about it. It doesn't make you taller. A cubit is an old way they measured things, okay? And an old way they measured between here, the, the fold of their elbow, and the tip of their finger there. That was a cubit. Around 18 inches on most adult males, and they used it to build things and measure things, okay? Right, how so, 18 cubits Yes, long? absolutely. And that's what God gave measurements for the ark with, okay? Noah's ark is making so many cubits because that's what they could do, all right? So they, he said, you can't add any measurement to yourself by worry. Worry brings no value. In fact, worrying is a little bit more than that. Worrying is not a right thing to do. Worrying can actually be a sin. Now, how can that be? If you spend your life worrying <laughs> about things, all right, how can that be? Why is it? Well, think about this. If you're like one of the sheep where you're going to worry about every little jackrabbit that runs by, how does the fear go away with the sheep? If you see your sheep getting worried, if you see your sheep getting worried, what do you do? <laughs> Don't be worried with them. That doesn't help. <laughs> what are you going to do if you see your sheep run across the field all suddenly? Find out what made them run, right? I mean, this is a logical thing, right? You're going to go out. You're going to look. You're going to say, is there danger? And if there is danger, you're going to take care of it. One way or another, you're going to take care of it. So Philip said he oftentimes had heard about different danger, whether they heard about an animal that was in the area that was taking other flocks uh, and, and killing other animals. He would go out and hunt that animal down, try to get rid of that animal. He also one time experienced there was a summer when there were people stealing sheep. And they were going along, and in the middle of the night, they would go and take sheep out of a flock and steal them and go sell them or kill them and eat them. Okay? So what he did was he got his rifle and his dog, and he slept outside all summer long, he said. And after a while... Everybody knew that he was sleeping outside with his rifle. And nobody came to steal his sheep. His goal was to get his flock to calm down. And how do they calm down? He said the very best thing he could do for them, because he spent so much time with them, and they knew him, is to walk out in the middle of them. And they all calmed down. They got to know him well enough, and they calmed down. They trusted that there was safety with him, and whatever he was going to do was going to protect them, okay? Whether it was a rifle or a dog or chasing people off or whatever, running away the jackrabbit or whatever, there was, there was comfort 
with the shepherd. It's easy for us to fall into that place of fear and anxiety and worry about things. But God says, don't. You can't add anything to your life by it. In fact, you only take away. Because what happens when you are anxious about something? What do you think about? Just that thing. And nothing else. And what is God's cure for that? You read it. In that second to last verse, you read it. You might not have known it was the cure, but there it was. Seek what? The righteousness of God. Read the whole thing. Seek what? But seek ye first First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All what things? The things that it says in the verse. What things? The righteousness. Those things. The things that you're afraid of. Oh, yeah, those ones. The food, the... The clothing, the I'm afraid of whatever in front of me. Spiders. You do not live in fear. What Spiders. the, wh- anything, anything to be irrational. What he says is refocus. Sir, are spiders an irrational fear? Yes. Spiders, like black widows and tarantulas. How many black widows and tarantulas are around here? Not very many. So I would not live my life in fear. I would not live my life in fear. So I feel like more of an irrational fear would be I'm terrified of spiders. That's the only thing that scares me. Here's the thing with anxiety, things that grip you. You can be afraid of being bit by a snake. I mean, that's not that's not irrational. But what I'm saying is, if you if you let if you let your anxiety grip you and hold you, then that's not what you should be doing. Like the Refocus onto God's kingdom. Seek that first, and He puts other things in order. Okay. He puts other things in order all the time. It helps you refocus on things and get away from the things that shouldn't be. All right. So, next thing. Look to the shepherd and the sheep are calm. Uh, One more verse. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Turn away in the back. I do not understand my Bible at this point. It's okay. We'll help. Read. Second Timothy chapter 1. Just, just do your best and find it and just follow along, please. Second Timothy chapter 1. It is. You'll find books with T's. Yes, Thessalonians. There's... Second Timothy, chapter one, verse number seven. Go ahead. Desiring to be teachers of the law. No, that would be First Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter one. All right. God does not. What 
when God works in our life, fear is not a piece of it. We are not called to be afraid. What he gives us are the three other things that fight fear, which are what? Hello? Three things. No? Fear, uh, power. Power. Love. Love. And a sound mind. What verse is this? Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Yep. Power and love and a sound mind. That's what he gives us through his spirit. So, power can overcome fear, right? When you have power over another person or power in a situation, right? God gives you that sometimes to work through a hard issue. Sometimes he gives you that. Sometimes, work through with a difficult person, he gives you love. And love, perfect love, casts out all fear, the Bible says. Perfect love casts out all fear. So you do not need to be afraid when you are in love. And that's why fear will be gone totally when we're in heaven. Nobody will be afraid. I'll never be afraid of fear. No person. No, no purpose. And a sound mind. And what does a sound mind give you? The ability to rest ultimately reason right and that was the whole point in the first place we were not reasoning when we have anxiety we're not reasoning we're just saying i'm gonna die right <laughs> and instead we're saying no i can go out and do this i can overcome this this is just a small thing i don't want to do this but i want to overcome this and i will be able to step up and do it I have a question if 50 spiders are in your bathtub and you scream does that count as a rational fear when you see 50 spiders sitting in your no bathtub? i would say that's not I would say that you have a spider problem in your house if you have Definitely. Okay. You have a shower head. You can't turn it on without the spiders. All right. Okay. So, next thing we need to do is be free from friction. Now, in every animal group, there are like a pecking order. Yes. Chickens have a pecking order. And what happens to the chickens who are top on the pecking order? They can only peck the ones on the <laughs> They're the boss, and they go around. And why do they peck the other animals? And I've had hens where they pull feathers out of the backs of all of them, and they pick the feathers out of their heads, and they, they rip them down. Oh, it's and show, like, I'm dominant. So, like, you are not above me, I'm and, above you, and then you are above them, and then you're above them, and you're above them, so, and you're above them. So, that is the pecking order. How about the one on the bottom of the pecking order? Oh, they get pecked by everybody. And sometimes they don't make it. No. Poor baby So <laughs> it is bad. And so sheep, when they don't like what's going on, and Headless. one of them is a dominant, is a butt. They butt things, right? And that is actually called the butting order, okay? That is the technical term, the butting order, like the pecking order. So there are... Typically, there is one dominant sheep. Now, oftentimes, oftentimes, flocks don't have a lot of male sheep in them because they're kept separate till they're going to breed, right? But if they have, it'll be a lot of times one dominant ewe, one older female who has got it in her mind that she is in charge. And there's no... 
And what does she do to all the ones? If there's someone that has laid down in the grass that she wants to keep from them. She headbutts them. Goes over and pushes them up, gets them out of there. Doesn't want you in my grass. This is my territory and I will let you go where I want you to go. And so it, when you have someone who causes friction in the group, it takes all those other sheep and really all the other sheep in the pecking order except the most dominant ones would be just fine without that dominant sheep. Right? Just get rid of it. Just fine without it. But but if you got rid of that one, there'd be a new one that went up into that spot. Take all the dominant they ones would be they would find their own spot. And so, with that dominant sheep budding order, it is just like human beings. Human beings do the very same thing. Yep, I call territorial space my living room. They are, well, what? It's not so much the space problems, it's that there is somebody that's dominant and they like to push their way around people. And they just like you to know that they're in charge. And that their ideas are a little bit better. And they like to be heard above everybody else. And they like to push their way through. That's why I push him around back every time he tries it. So what happens with the sheep is Philip the shepherd sometimes would see a dominant you going after and relentlessly going after one other you who was laying down, just eating, satisfied, and he would go and get in the middle of it and push that you over and get that you so he would be gone or sometimes whack it till it knew to stop that. If it wouldn't listen to just pushing it away, it needed some hard hits in its life to understand. Animals can be like that, stubborn. So can humans very stubborn and we won't stop we keep going we need to be dominant we just have a feel that need to do this i can't stop doing what i'm doing you may have met a few humans like that in your life okay and if you have if you have some strong personalities in your family you probably see budding order all the time Right? Now, there are people who just like to fight. Just to make sure you know that they're in charge. That's what they like to do. They like to create this aura about themselves to say, don't you mess with me. That's what they do. So, what are we supposed to do about all that? Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. How are we supposed to react when we see petty people like those sheep that just have to keep pushing that other one around and they're content to be there and just laid on them by themselves and the dominant sheep has plenty of food. It's not that. She just doesn't want to let you have it. Okay, so Romans chapter 12. 
Uh, we're going to read verses 14 through 21. I'll pick up your verses. Go ahead. Romans chapter 12. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Okay, that first thing says, what are you supposed to do to people who do mean things to you? Bless them. Bless them. What does bless them mean? Like be nice, despite them spraying perfume in your face. More than, more than that, make them happy. Do your best to make them happy. What if it makes them happy Whoa. to torture you? Well, let's read on. We'll find out. Okay. <laughs> Verse number 15. Okay, so that is about being a good friend. This is about getting along amongst people. Being a good friend. So when your friend is down, you're with them. You're helping them. You try to understand them. When your friend is up and happy, you're with them. Let's celebrate. It's fantastic. Good things. Verse 16, please. Be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things. All right, so that is when you are around other people, do not think you're better than them. And that is hard for many of us to do. Because so we like to we, take one look through my school, the high school, and see what you think after that. Well, there are always going to be difficult people to be around. There will always be that. And who are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go with the lowest person on the pecking order and say, it's okay, I can be your friend. Yeah, okay? you're talking to them right now. Well, that's okay. That's not a bad thing. When you treat other people, you should treat them with respect, with kindness, with love, and do not think you're better than them. Okay? Regardless of how you're treated, it's easy for us even if we're not treated well, to think that we're better than everybody else. Even if we're the one on the bottom, we get in our mind and we say, well, I'm better than them because I do this. And that's not what that says. What that says is condescend. Come down from where you are and act like you are with the lowest of the low. And that's okay. All right, that's how you begin to get along with people. All right, uh, where are we? 17. Verse 17, please. Make compense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. All right, recompense, okay? What does compensation mean? No. If you are compensated for something, you get paid, okay, something. You get paid something. So if it says recompense or pay back, no one evil for evil. Recompense to no man evil for evil, which means when someone does something evil to them, do not try to get them back. Do not do something mean back to them. 
In fact, just in a verse before, two verses before, it said, do nice, do good things, bless those people. That's not natural to do. But with our shepherd, the good shepherd, he gives us the ability in our spirit to not only have power, that is more real power over people because that's the way Jesus acted. When they treated him poorly, he loved them back. And to be able to love people is a much more powerful thing than to be able to just overcome their situation and pay them back for what they did. Much more powerful to do it that way. Verse number 18, if it be possible, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That is a tough one for all families. Right? So live peaceably. What does that mean? Well, what does it say? It literally says, do your part, so live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Living in peace. So it's just a synonym. It's what? It's a synonym. Mm-hmm. It is. So, live peaceably with all your power. If you can make peace, if you can take a situation that is... <coughs> fraught with anger or frustration from somebody and bring peace in it, God says, you need to do that. This book makes God sound very vengeful Well, you need to do that. You live at peace with those people around you. You treat them well. You do the things, and that is your job, my job within my family. I am to bring peace. I am not to bring frustration and anger. This is my job bring peace and it is all of your job to bring peace in all that you could possibly do and you can say well they're so mean and they're so nasty to me and I just have to do this no you don't you can live in peace with them they might fight you back but you figure out how to defuse the bomb on your end there is no way that is possible absolutely in as much as it is possible which is what the verse said right if it's possible, don't say, well, it's never possible, so, because that's not true. Most of the time, most of the time, you can act a different way. But it starts with you. That's what that Bible verse says, all right? Verse number 19. 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give peace unto rest. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. All right? So it is not your job to pay people back. It is not your job. That's what it said a couple verses ago. Do not pay evil for evil. Do not say, well, I'm going to get revenge on that person. Let God handle it. Because God will straighten things out in the end. But you (coughs) need to be patient. God will make it right in the best way possible. And you, if you can live peaceably with people... And you can put your best foot forward always for them in peace. You will come through with crowns for that. And God will make sure that everything is right. Even if you are treated unjustly. God will make sure that's right. 
That's not your job. Leave it to God. Okay? Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. So take that enemy, take that guy who's against you, do something nice for him. And when you do that, it's like setting hot fire to their head. It's like dumping coals on top of their head because they don't know how to treat you if you don't treat them mean back. If you treat them mean back, then you're like everybody else. And they're going to say, they did it back to me, I get to do it back to them. And if you do it the other way, they have no response. Okay? They have no response. It's like putting a burning fire on their head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So, in the budding order, how you live is really important. Ephesians 4.32, I'm just going to say it to you. You don't have to go there. But Ephesians 4.32, for those of you who might know it out there, be ye kind. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That means it's your job to be kind and tender-hearted and forgive people even when they do things wrong. Because that's what God did for me. That's why I'm called to forgive others. Even mean, nasty things, even when they did it a bunch of times. Because guess what? I did it a bunch of times to God, too. And I still struggle doing things wrong a bunch of times. And I go back, and all I can say is, I'm sorry. And if I was me in that side, I'd say, really, are you? Because how many times do you have to do it before you just say, you're not really sorry, you just do it anyways. But God doesn't say that. God says, I forgive you. I love you. Because his love overcomes all of that. So that's what we're called to do. It's a mighty high place to go. But with God's spirit, right, he helps us to have power and love and a sound mind. All right, last two things. Free from flies and parasites. Romans, let's go to Romans, just back a few uh, pages to chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. There are nasal flies, there are bot flies, okay? There are warble flies and ticks. Those are the four big major parasites um, that get into sheep. And they get into dogs too. Within, they do, they do. And within Philip's experience, he will explain some of those things and we'll get into actually what happens and some of the nasty things that he's had to deal with in helping his sheep. Let me tell you, dealing with sheep is not very nice and neither is dealing with humans. And that's why, that's why Psalm 23 is so applicable to us is because we are so much like sheep. Stubborn and fearful and angry and all the things we shouldn't be. Irrational fear and we get into these little irritating situations. We get into trouble. We don't get taken care of quickly. We let things fester and things get worse. That's what happens with flies and ticks. We had one time, we have had fleas in our house several different times oh, because God. of cats and dogs. And 
they are terrible. Once they got in, and we have recently had them, and we fought and fought and fought for like three months to get rid of them. We sprayed the house and bombed the house and tried to kill everything. We bought these flea traps, and it was just like every day there'd be more and more and more, no matter what we did. For weeks on end, we tried to get rid of them. But once you get them, you have got to go after them. The whole house. It was like no matter where you were in the house. It took us three years and we still got fleas. And when you do those... And starting to adapt to human skin and everything. And that's... You have got to fight those things out. Okay? You've got to fight those things out and keep battling them. Because they become really troublesome. There are things in our life as Christians that become troublesome. Problems. Okay, Romans chapter 5, verse number 3, 4 and 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. So tribulations are those annoying, struggling things in our life. Go ahead, verse 4, please. Chapter 5 of Romans, verse 4. All right, so the annoying, annoying things, the tribulations, the bugs, the things that bug you, flies, okay, ticks, fleas, those kinds of things, right, that bug the sheep, we have those things that bug us, but those are the things that we need to stick to, patiently work through them. You don't get rid of fleas or ticks or anything else by just getting angry and frustrated. It is consistent work to get them out and take care of them. And you go at them at the core of what they're doing, where they come from, what they're doing, how do you get rid of them, right? So you work at them. Tribulations, trials in your life are the same way. And with trials, when you go through them, they bring patience. Patience brings hope because saying, okay, I can wait through this. I can make it through this tough to do today but I can make it through this because I've made it through before I've had I've learned patience with this and when you get hope hope brings a message to others that God is helpful and it says we shed abroad we, we, we spread it everywhere the love of God when we have patience and we learn to have hope regardless of the situation we're in we can trust, and God's going to get us through this. I don't know how, and I don't know way he's going to do it, but he can do it. And I trust God, and I have hope that he will do something. And so hope allows others to see God in us, which is ultimately what we need. And that's what comes from these little irritations in life. We learn to show others and help others. All the little irritating, nasty things in your life that bother you whether it be from your family or from school or from all the way the world is working these days or the friend that doesn't do whatever they should do or just mean people around, whatever it is, those people, those irritations bring patience and patience builds hope in you and hope says, I can make this through. And other people say, how come it doesn't affect you? Well, let me tell you, because God's in control.
right? So you learn to do that. And finally, freedom from hunger. This is one of those things that comes with the last part of the verse. He makes us to lie down. We talked about lying down, being in peace, being free from fear, from friction, from flies and parasites, and free from hunger. We won't lay down until we are free from hunger, okay? We can't be starving all the time. We need to spend time in God's word. But what we need and what God brings to us is victory. He brings us green pastures. And how do green pastures happen in a dry climate? Israel was a dry climate. All right? Still is. How do you get green pastures in a dry climate? Oasises, water, running. Very carefully tend them. Right? You bring the water. You irrigate things. You plant. You don't overfeed. And overgraze, you don't trample everything down. You keep your flocks calm and laid down. They eat around. They don't smash everything down before they go. And you move on. You keep moving. And it, God, the Bible describes a place flowing with milk and honey. Well, where is a place where milk and honey flows? Milk flows from a ewe's udder, a sheep's udder, when she's full and on green grass. All right? And so, and honey comes from a bee. Not always bees. In in a meadow. They come from a bee in a meadow that's full bloom, and they need flowers, right? That's where you get the sweetness out of that. So that is talking about a green pasture. Where do green pastures happen in our life? Well, a place flowing with milk and honey is the place where we have come when we learn to trust in God. And I mean, when Israel left <coughs> Egypt, they were enslaved. They went and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they would not go to greener pastures. And they said, I'm going to take the harder road. I'm going to take the harder road. I can't believe in God. God says, I've got this place. It's beautiful. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's all for you. You will rest there. You will have great victory there. Well, we can't believe it. it. looks too hard. So they didn't trust in God. So what we often do in our life is we do not trust that there's something better for us, a place of victory for us. We have to learn that there are places of victory, a place of gra- the flowing of milk and honey, of green grass, green pastures, for us to be restful in. Okay? That is important for us to do, very important for us to do, to learn to trust in God and to learn that from our faith, it's 1 John 5, 4 says, we can overcome the world and have victory because of our faith. We learn to believe God's promises and God brings us to a place of victory. Learn to do it, learn to be calm, Learn to be free from fear, free from friction and out with others, free from those irritating things, and learn to have fullness in God. Right? That's where he makes us to lie down in green pastures. We have to be calm within our person to get there, to lie down and learn to feed on what is good and get rid of what is bad. All right, so that is lying down in green pastures, and next time we will do 
uh, the next section. Thank you very much.